You're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. In each episode, you'll hear about the market opportunities and trends driving the industry forward. TechNest is proudly produced by Finn Ledger in partnership with HW Media. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. All right, we've covered this topic before, but this time we're going to go a little bit differently with it. The short-term vacation rental, hospitality business, the convergence that's happening in this industry couldn't be any more obvious. I've got Marcus Rader. He's the co-founder and CEO of a company called Hostaway. And, you know, they have a little bit of a global presence, but really focusing in on their market here in the U.S., catering to the property managers of, well, hospitality rentals business. And we get into some of the, the differences between the types of rentals, but also how they're merging. I share the example of having booked a hotel twice, the same hotel in Montana. Once I booked it as a hotel, and the second time I booked it, I booked it as an Airbnb. And truthfully, the experience wasn't all that different. Marcus shares a lot of insight into partnerships, how to win some of those key partnerships, what it takes to win them, and the new barriers to winning those partnerships. And specifically, we're not talking little partnerships. Hostaway has really been leading the charge. Their preferred software vendor with Airbnb, Verbo, Booking.com, Google Vacation Rentals, Expedia, TripAdvisor, and Homes and Villas. And we get into much, much more. Let's go ahead and hear what he's got to say. All right, but just one more thing here before we jump into today's episode, a word from our sponsor. Here is banding together and building together to make renting a home a simple and satisfying experience for all. Over 30 leading property management companies have joined Pure so far. Combined, they have over 1,000 years of experience. They deliver a high-tech, high-touch, and hyper-local property management experience for residents and investors nationwide. Learn more about joining Pure at purepm.co. Hey, Marcus. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me here. You bet. I'm excited to talk. Um, I know we had a little bit of chat uh, beforehand here, and hopefully I'll get some good information out of you about what's been happening in the uh, short-term rental, vacation, hospitality space, some of the convergence that's happening there and trends. But uh, before I find myself down in a rabbit hole, please, uh, as we always do on the show, introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Absolutely. Thank you very much for the introduction there, Nate. I have a lot to talk about the, the latest trends in the in the travel and especially vacation rental sector. But uh, first of all, I'm, uh, I'm Marcus. People in the industry usually know me as Marcus from Hostaway. Um, Hostaway is an all-in-one end-to-end vacation rental software solution. So we provide all the tools that are needed to run a vacation rental business, whether it's big or small. Um, and just to give you a sense of the scale, our smallest customers, they have one property. Uh, our biggest customer has 8,000 of them in six different countries, wow. and they use our platform to do everything that's needed in, in vacation rentals. And vacation rentals is quite different from running a hotel, and it's also very different from running a long-term rental. 
um, because most of the communication happens online right. and it's very transactional. You know, with long-term rentals, you have uh, you have the same tenants staying for a year and you don't need a lot of communication to make things happen. But if you have a vacation rental, you can have 10 different people staying in one month. That means 10 payments, 10 payouts, 10 uh, points for the <laughs> for the accountant and at least 10 check-in messages, 10 checkout messages, not to mention all the all the questions that might come up yes. during the stay. Yeah. And and that's um, growing that at scale and managing a team. That's that's what Hostaway is used for. Yeah, very cool. And yeah, the first thing I was going to actually I, was, I mean, you took you took the words right off my talking sheet here cuz you know, I like to pull copy from the website and then that's like my fuel right, for digging in here. And I wanted to break all this down of, you know, this all-in-one vacation rental software and Airbnb management system. So let's let's actually start a little bit higher level, right? Vacation rental, short-term rental, hospitality, like where do we draw the lines or is it kind of all the same thing and that's kind of what's creating a little bit of a mess for those who are investing in the space? That's a great question. I don't think anyone ever asked me that before and I'm I'm really excited because these lines, they get drawn over and over again. And they have, especially in the last two years, we've seen an acceleration. But but what we're going to see in the coming five, ten years is that they're probably going to disappear. Um, I, I found it very interesting when Booking.com uh, came out with their quarterly result and they called it, they had 38% revenue from the from the short-term rental sector. But they call it alternative accommodation. And that's a terminology that's used by hotel chains. Alternative accommodation. That's what it's called. Okay. So, you know, when you have, you have uh, in the travel sector, you got airlines, you got cruise ships, you got rental cars, you got hotels, and then you have a ter- alternative accommodation. Those are the big sectors in travel. And to me, it's it's not alternative at all. It's it's simply accommodation. That's That's what it is. And whether it's long-term, mid-term, short-term, whether it takes place in a, in a resort, in a hotel, in a, in a single family home, that's less relevant. What's more relevant is that you are providing, you're providing the quality to the guests that they're looking for, but it's a tailored stay. In a, in a hotel, it's quite often tailored to be a, a two, three-night stay, maybe for a, a business meeting or, or meetings, and you're staying there, or for, and our resort is tailored to one week. But a short-term rental needs to be tailored to a lot of different uses. For example, you can have young people who want to explore a city. You might have couples who are looking for a romantic getaway. You might have families, even multi-generational families who want to rent a house on the beach. Yeah. And, and they stay for different lengths. So it's much more versatile. And that's why I wouldn't call it uh, alternative. I would call it simply accommodation. Or hospitality. Yeah. Now, and I, I want to get into some of the, the details of the Hostway platform, but before we go any further, you're doing the digital nomad thing yourself. You're out there, you're, you're talking about, you're traveling to, a, well, at least a different part of Canada, and you have to pardon, in, in U.S. schools, we don't learn geography. So, you know, Canada is just kind of like a space. We, we know it's there, but I couldn't tell you where anything's at. I think Toronto and Montreal are East Coast, ain't Yes. Yes, they are. Okay, cool. Uh, All right. All right. So it's kind of like going from Philly to New York kind of thing. Yes. So. Yes, exactly. Why is it important that 
you know, here you are building a startup, which is hard enough as it is, and you went ahead and disrupted your life to go a digital nomad. Why? So I spoke to uh, Carl Shepard in uh, in Miami last last year. He's he's the founder of HomeAway. He's he's retired now, but he still hangs around the scene. Um, and and I asked him, what, what does he honestly think about travel? And he said uh, two things that struck me. First of all, he said that business travel business will determine the need for travel. It's not it's not companies or individuals this, that decide that business travel is going to be like this or like that. If you if your business dictates you need to travel to do your business, then that's what's going to happen. It's not it's not really dependent on how people think about business travel, whether they like it or not. And I agree with him on that. But another thing that he he told me was that this this idea that you live anywhere all the time that's all nice and good until you have kids and even if you're working from home it's just not practical families are going to go back to their old routines this is just a temporary two-year thing where where everyone is just staying in different places and i thought i i disagree with that because i have a kid as well um and then I realized he's he's kind of right because we're not really doing it. So what I actually did, I, I challenged him and I, I we, we spent the winter in Florida and now we're spending the entire August in Montreal and it's working just fine. I mean, kids like meeting new friends and uh, and you can learn so much more from a place when you when you meet the locals. I mean, we we get a lot of friends here um, as well. And it's it's just a different way of travel and it's it's working just fine. I don't think. I don't think we're ever going to go back to working from the office and and the entire idea that you buy a forever home one place where you stay i think a certain percentage of of the population will continue to do that but i think there's a certain percentage of the population that will never ever go back to that again yeah oh interesting i i appreciate you sharing that and obviously in your experience now you get to see and feel firsthand how others are you know arranging accommodations, if you will, uh, regardless of the venue. So let's kind of use that as a springboard. Let's talk about some of those problems that you've encountered. What are some of the problems that Hostway is really focused on solving for, you know, in this, uh, this, I don't know, is it really niche? Is it, it feels pretty big already. It doesn't feel niche anymore. Niche is like yurts in Arizona. That feels niche. It feels like vacation rental, short term, accommodations is not really niche so in this whole space you know what is hostway really focused on solving for yeah first of all is it a, a niche no it's it used to be when we started it certainly was and and you know the term alternative accommodations certainly was appropriate i remember back before we even had a product i was pitching to an investor and we had a good conversation at the end of the conversation he said this was in 2015 he said uh i stayed in an airbnb once I didn't like it. I don't believe in the whole, this whole thing. And, <laughs> and I, I understand him. I, and I, I think even today I would understand him. But on the other hand, Airbnb is a, one of the biggest travel companies in the world. Uh, they were able to proceed with their IPO uh, when a lot of the travel was completely at standstill. They did an IPO in the travel sector. That's, that's absolutely yeah. remarkable. Yeah. Um, 
So, um, and um, yeah, what, what does HostAway do? Well, the thing is, when you manage vacation rentals and you try to do it at scale, it gets very, very difficult because compared to a hotel where you have, first of all, a hotel experience is quite uniform. For those listeners there, if you own one hotel, whether it's 10 rooms or 200, there's many things that are in common. For example, the street address. Let's say you're staying at the uh, Hilton Chicago downtown. You can go into any cab or even type it in on Uber and they get you there. And no matter which of the 451 rooms you're staying in, the cab drops you off at the same place. And then you have a check-in desk. Now, some of these are uh, humans are replaced by computers, but it's still one place with one centralized piece of information. And when you're lying in bed and you're your pillow is uncomfortable, there's someone you can talk to who can bring you a a new pillow. With vacation rentals, everything is different, which means you you can't train your staff. Even if you run a small business of, let's say, 20 cabins near, near the same lake, it can take you two hours. We have a lot of those out here. Everyone who is out for Sturgis over the last, you know, two weeks, that's what happens. A lot of, exactly. lot of those mom and pop campgrounds, Airbnbs, they've got like four, four park monitor trailers. They've got three cabins and then there's a house up on the hill. That's like the premier rental spot. Exactly. And and when some when, when someone asks a simple question, like a pillow, you can't just run over there because it might be a two two hour drive away of course and a typical airbnb guest wouldn't ask for that but they might ask very reasonable questions hey i'm pressing the button on the dishwasher it doesn't turn on what do i do now that's when you get challenges when you have 20 different cottages and not to mention if you have ten thousand. when how do you know which dishwasher they have how are you going to manage that um same thing same thing goes with even before the guests arrive how they find you is very different. If you if you were to knock on 20 cabin doors and ask, how did you book this place? Someone someone called their uncle because they know the owner. Someone used Airbnb. Someone else went to yeah. a website. Someone else just called the same property manager. They've been coming here for 20 years. And they're all coming from different places. But if you want to run this at scale, and especially if you're managing other people's properties, that means that you're responsible for other people's assets but also for their money you need to know which money is coming in you need to have all the marketing channels figured out you know someone's uncle do they know you do they have your phone number do they have your email address do they know your website uh what about airbnb are you getting the visibility what about verbal what about booking.com what about marriott homes and villas do you fit in there right you gotta keep all all of that marketing in one place and manage it and then you got to make sure that every guest pays signs for the rules and every ota they have different different ways of doing this that's how we got the whole idea we noticed there's no standardized way a hotel by the way they have standardized ways because when you enter a hotel at the front desk they're going to ask you for two things id and driver's license what they don't tell you, though, is that they're actually asking for a third thing, and that's to uh, look at your face. Because they're going to look at the driver's license, they're going to see, does it add up? Does it match your face? And then they're going to look at the credit card, and they look at the name, does it match with the driver's license? Now, that's a simple right. security check to make sure that you can't just steal someone's credit card, stay there, and then get a free stay. But even something simple like that, that's done thousands of times at hotels in any any city, you can't do that easily online unless you have a platform to manage it. Yeah, and that's just yeah. and, and, you know, a few examples. I, I mean, when I was digging into to host away here, you know, I, I was genuinely 
I was taken back because I was like, this is, you know, there's a lot of different platforms that have tried entering into the space. Uh, and generally you see like access controls, payment collection, and some marketing, you know, tracking. Like those are some of the, like the core, you know, features that you most commonly see. But like if I just the categories, property management, channel manager, automation tools, communication, marketing, operations, service, analytics, and reporting. And each one of them has several subcategories of capabilities under there, you know, in managing a platform and a product to be able to do all of this. And still, I think you guys are relatively young to be this far along as a product. How have you done, like, what are you doing from like a product and research development perspective that's driving the decision to create these tools? Because this is, I mean, this is quite robust. It's you're you're absolutely right. It's it's an extremely comprehensive platform. Uh, but the 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 truth is we we were cheating the system a bit because most of our competition and and what you'll find in any any industry specific software, the people who start building the software are the same people who are in the industry. Now when we started, we knew nothing about short term rentals, and that mm-hmm. may sound like a terrible idea, but Actually, we're, we're technology experts. And what we saw is that there are some solutions out there, but they're not built by technology experts. They're not built mm. and backed by people who have decades of experience in building technology. And what we noticed, the market opportunity there, is that we can, we can learn the industry of short-term rentals while we're building the technology. So that's why it took us two years to, to even launch the product because those two years, we were literally cleaning toilets. We were managing properties on behalf of others just so we got to learn what it's like because it's one thing talking to users, but when you're actually a user, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's that's part of the reason is that we, we simply f- happened to stumble across a market where there were almost no solutions no software solutions built by software people. And since yeah. we were software people, we realized we have a unique edge here. So we're able to build faster, more stable, and most importantly, cheaper than anyone yeah. else. Yeah, and this is a crux that, you know, I talk to a lot of founders that come across and mo- many of them start within real estate, but it's that technology piece that's very difficult to put together. And, you know, real estate's a complicated, no matter which facet of it that you're going after, right? You, to, to combine the tech, the you know technology side and then the actual in-person operations, like even services side to that, sometimes there's a lot of conflict in there and having to be able to back in your way from a technology perspective is quite remarkable, but it sounds like you literally, like quite literally got your hands dirty. <laughs> Absolutely. Out, you know, yeah. doing a lot of the tasks. I. I know you guys talk a lot, uh, you know, quite a bit about solving some of like the manual and tedious tasks. Assuming Hostaway doesn't yet clean toilets for owners and managers, uh, but maybe you can break down some of the manual tasks that it does help with automating and making better, both for the managers, but also how that leads to a better experience for the end consumer. Absolutely. So um, one of the things that that we do here that we learned from all the other technology companies is that the it's, it's not always easy managing the stakeholders. And we, we always put extra effort into that because some companies say the customer is king. Uh, others companies say, other companies say we, we only care about our employees because they are what the reason we're alive. 
Um, but but we always try to prioritize that. So we got we got the property manager or the single property owner who might own 20 properties, but he's still a you know yeah. property owner. But then we got the property owner who's one step away from us. And then we got the guest. But then we also have the OTAs. And we, we have built a marketplace, which is, as far as I know, the biggest one in the industry. We've got over 100 integrated software partners. Um, I can tell you that that I, I scrolled the whole thing and it just kept going. I was yeah. like, I don't understand how they did this. The only company that I could compare it to was Zapier. Or yep. Zapier, however you say it. I was like, this is like the Zapier of the vacation rental space. There's no exactly. other. No, I've not seen anyone else do that. So when we when we make decisions and prioritizations, we always think about that. For example, we've had to back away from what the customers want because uh, we wanted to protect our staff. And sometimes um, <laughs> the customers may want to make it bad for the guests or bad for the owners and or bad for the OTAs. Uh, there's been, I can give a, a real practical example of that. There's a lot of softwares out there that trick Airbnb uh, or try to cheat their algorithm. To, for, for what purpose? Like to get a higher price or? Uh, one example is uh, those who operate in condos in uh, cities. Uh, the condos typically hire a security company to check that none of their uh, condo units are on Airbnb. Oh, right. Now, those searches are done daytime, but the people who want to travel are booking in the evening. So there's softwares out there that go and turn off your property on Airbnb during daytime when they're looking. <laughs> I wish I was making this up. Uh, another one is, uh, you know, just like Google, you can trick an algorithm, but it only goes so far. So so what some softwares do, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. we don't do any of this. I mentioned this as an example because we're actually a preferred partner of Airbnb, and there's very few companies in the world that are that. Um, yeah. They, uh, they move the, the photos around, and they sometimes remove an entire listing from Airbnb only to put it back up, and that way the Airbnb algorithm potentially resets and you might get some extra exposure. Mm -hmm. But of course, those tricks only work yeah. until they don't work anymore. <laughs> and and that's wow. that's an example yeah. of how we how we manage that. We we always try to keep in keep in mind all the stakeholders because um, back yeah. when we started, this was quite a it was a wild west, to be honest. Most of the business was was in the cities and there were no clear rules and it was a lot of people entered this market without having any business skills, without sometimes having even communication skills. <laughs> I stayed at those places. Yeah. I mean, I remember in Atlanta, I stayed and I mean, I was on a, I was balling on a budget. I found a place for like $18 a night. And I said to myself, I'm like, this place is going to be worth $18 a night. And it was a room. So I just got a room in this house and Right off the bat, I get to the room. I'm like, ah, it's kind of clean. That's fine. And then it was like, no less than like five minutes later, I can smell like the, the people who are living there. Like they 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 were smoking up downstairs. I'm like, this is what I got to put up for the next three days attending a conference. Is like this. Like I'm gonna show up smelling like weed. You know, people are gonna be looking at me. But like, you know, it, you know, it is what it is. You know, I let the review reflect the price and condition, you know, it, and I don't like to leave negative reviews. I just said, hey, look, it's 18 bucks. Like, you're going to get an $18 a night stay. Yeah. And that was one of those earlier entrants of, well, you know, like I said, it was Wild West a little bit. Standards were pretty low of, like, who could host a vacation rental and what that meant. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And that's... Uh... Yeah. 
I'm I'm very happy to see that things are getting better, and it's uh it's usually for a property manager to put up a unit on on Airbnb. That's that's the easy part. The hard part is really making sure that the guest enjoys it. And I, I can give a very simple example. Let's say you want to rent out a place for six people. You buy six plates, six uh, coffee cups, six glasses of water, six knives, and six forks. After you had about 50 people stay there, there's only going to be four knives wow, left. It's going to be broken. Yeah. Stuff just breaks, yep. it disappears. That's what happens. Now, now there's very clear, and it's a very black and white line. Either you go and check up on it and you, you replace it. Ideally, you would get double sets to start with. You get 12 of each because what if someone has lunch and then they have dinner? Right. Same day. Um, but the property managers that don't do that, they're not going to do anything else. They're not paying the taxes. The owners don't get paid on time. And the moment they hit, hit, a, hit some rough times, they go bankrupt. Mm. And and I'm yeah. sorry to say that we when we started out we were operating in that space because we we didn't know better. But what we found out that if they run is that if they're running a bad business, they're gonna be bad customers. And for a business to only mm. deal with bad customers, that's they're not gonna survive very long. So we we started looking how can we how can we separate this? How can we find the good customers out there? Oh, fascinating. Yeah. So when you think about who your ideal customer is, we talked about like a little bit of like owners. There's you know there's owners and then there's property managers. Um, you know, if you if you describe like, hey, this is the customer that we think gets the most value out of Hostaway. What does that customer look and sound like? We really have uh, two ICPs, and we we haven't yet separated into different brands. So if if you're we basically have two different products, but they can be used for the same purpose. So, so one one ICP yeah. is the is the property manager. They're typically someone who's been in business more than five years. Uh, they typically have they have between ten and let's say one thousand properties that they manage. Sometimes they're in multiple offices, okay. multiple cities. But let let's say as an example, they have fifty properties in uh, Myrtle Beach. Or they have uh, 50 properties in Sedona. Um, that, okay. That's a typical one. They have a physical office, and they they manage properties on behalf of multiple owners. Often, the the owner of the business might own a few properties themselves, um, and their their main job is just keeping the staff happy, getting people to clean, making sure everything is in place, and then keeping the guests happy, getting them to book direct. Um, the other ICP that we we cater to and that that we we are increasing our business in is the um, I call it the prosumer. It's a really nice term that I, I learned recently. Uh, there's consumers mm-hmm. out there. The average consumer is going to want the average stuff, but sometimes there there's a percentage of the consumers that want the professional gear. Let's say if you you want to start playing a new instrument, you don't know if you're going to stick around with that hobby, but you may want to invest in a cheap instrument because you can always upgrade later. But some people, when they start yeah. playing a new instrument, they say, you know what? I w- There's professionals out there. They got the real stuff. I want that. I want to give myself the best chance mm-hmm. to succeed. Or, or home renovations. Some people buy the cheapest tools they find, but others buy the tools that are the best and used by the professionals. So we cater to the, to the prosumers, those who typically own at least three homes, Sometimes one, but yeah. then it's a high end. And they have been using tools like us before, 
but now they just want better support, more flexibility. Sometimes they want to turn it into a full-time business. But, but this is this is a, I think this is actually something that doesn't get talked about a lot in startups. And pricing strategy and positioning is pretty complicated at times to really figure out. But what you're talking about here is saying, hey, we want the best customers. Not just because we want the best customers, but also because then we can offer the best product. And the best product means it costs money. And the best customers inherently value that. So not only do you have the opportunity to deliver the best product, but then it means, hey, we can actually build a really good business behind this because we can charge what it's worth. And I think that I think that that's something that doesn't get talked about enough in startups. Like, you know, everyone thinks that it's gotta be free and it's gotta be, you know, like, you know, next to dirt cheap and pricing is the as the first thing, but as you're you're describing here, like people who run want to run a good business, free isn't interesting anymore because they've already experienced what that means, and a lot of times that means doesn't work or low quality or still inefficient and and you know doesn't remove the headaches that they were wanting to get rid of. I, I got a perfect example from our industry. I was looking today at a at an old blog post. It's a it's about five years old, and they were listing. Um, PMSs, that's what it's called, property management system in our industry, but by region. Yeah. And I checked in Spain. Uh, we, we, we used to have an office in Spain. We still have about 10 employees in, in Barcelona. So out of interest, I had heard a few of them. I checked out, there were, there were 10 of them listed. Eight of the websites no longer work, which means in the last five years, eight had given up. Now, if you're if you're a business owner and you rely on this one tool, the centralized database where you keep all your business transactions, do you want to be with someone who's going to go under in the next few years or do you want to be with someone who sticks around? And and that's unfortunately, in order to stick around, you need to not only get the customers to pay, but you also need to deliver them the right things. So if they're asking for yeah. features to break the law, well, then there's a high risk that their business isn't going to be around. So we don't build those features not what you want yeah. yeah yeah i can tell you if i was discovering that i had eight competitors who were suddenly uh had a defunct website uh i would be acquiring those domains and redirecting them very good uh, good <laughs> no, idea there good idea <laughs> send them to a landing page you know this company is no longer in business but hostway can take care of what you were looking for and here's how this works um let, let's kind of talk a little bit about partnerships um, it, it's very clear right off the bat, and I think this is probably more like it, this is no longer optional in this particular industry. Partnerships is pretty key. Right on the front website, you talked about being a preferred Airbnb software provider. You, you know, you work with Google Vacation Rentals. You're working with Verbo as a connectivity partner, Expedia, TripAdvisor, Homes and Villas, Booking.com. Talk to me about the importance of partnerships to your business. How hard is it? What are the barriers to being able to, to establish those partnerships? And you know what, what does the future look like for others maybe trying to enter into this space and not knowing what they're probably up against to be able to build those bridges? Absolutely. It's uh, one of my favorite topics because I, I spent at least two years of my life trying to answer that very same question. Um, first of all, these, these OTAs, um, I mean, where... We're preferred with Airbnb, we're elite with Verbo, we're, we're premier with Booking.com. They, they don't want to work with a lot of partners. Uh, a partner like us can be good for them. We can bring them a lot of inventory. We can make sure 
that with our tools that the software provides, that their guests who go and make a booking on their website gets a better experience. But um, but at the same time, if our technology doesn't work, and if there's a thousand companies like us where the technology doesn't work, it can end up being a bad experience. Maybe the guest is paying the wrong price. Maybe they book a place that's already taken. Um, there's Maybe they ask a question that doesn't get answered. That's that's what happens with bad technology. So what what they've yeah. started doing is um, is uh, giving them scores, and and we get the highest scores with all of them. So they measure not only how big the business is, but also how reliable and how good and how good the support is. So this is really mm. Airbnb's ways of saying that these are our preferred partners. Then Verbo says these are our preferred partners. And when you cross reference that, you'll find that Hostaway has quite a unique position where there's actually no other company in the entire space that has the same levels but that's wow. that's not how we started actually when we started airbnb didn't accept any partners they had zero and it was it wasn't up until 2018 when they launched their partnership program so the barriers of entry yeah. into the market when we started they were infinite because you couldn't enter you couldn't yeah. be a partner of airbnb um fortunately airbnb is nice uh they they started their business by I wouldn't call it hacking, but piggybacking on Craigslist. So we started our business by piggybacking on Airbnb, um, and, yeah. and we found a way around it. And and now, now we're a preferred partner of Airbnb, which is a dream come true. Now, I I was, yeah. So so to other people are starting out. The barriers of entry are are still. They they have come down a bit, but what's happened instead they've been replaced by competition. So when we started, there was almost no competition. Mm. We could go out there and say, do you have this problem? We got the solution. And they'll say, wow, I didn't realize there's a solution available. Sure, I'll try it. Right. You had good product and no competitors. So the option of who to pick was pretty cut, cut, cut and dry. Yeah, well, I mean, we had a lot of competitors. It was just that if you took 100 people into a room and you asked each one individually, have you, have you heard of any? Nobody had ever heard about more than one company. So maybe 10 of them had heard of our <laughs> biggest competitor and two of them have heard of us. But, but you know, nobody had heard that, there's, yep. that, that there are choices to be made. Uh, today, there are choices. So the people who are buying the software, they know that there's other softwares out there and they're going to be compete, uh, comparing. So even though the barriers of entry have, have gone down, the competition has gone up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's kind of shift a little bit and talk about uh, market adoption. Um, you know, you, you you mentioned you have an office in Spain. You're hanging out in Canada. You spend uh, you basically snowboarding it back down to Florida. But where is your customer base? Is it global, or uh, do you have any markets where you see primary adoption? Uh, the primary market is absolutely United States, but even in in the United States, it's mostly the typical traditional vacation destinations so uh florida and california being the big ones um then we got texas arizona north and south carolina we're, we're not so big on the on the west coast especially for example washington is a is a massive tourism area um but we got most mm-hmm. of our customers and most of our new customers as well in the united states fairly big in canada and, and mexico yeah but this is uh this is not how we started out. We used to be really, really global because um, we found out that because the market was so fragmented and it still is, it was easier for us to cater to one segment and then go to each 
country and find those users. But with the pandemic, pre-pandemic, we used to have 40% Europe, 40% North America, and 15% Australia and New Zealand. Australia is still a strong market for us, but in Europe, the demand just just, uh, shifted completely. I'm talking about the traveler demand. So because they started traveling within their own country. Now, when foreign tourists come somewhere, let's say if if you were to go to, to France, I'm pretty sure you'd end up in Paris one way or the other, even just because that's where the planes go. But if between you and I, France is probably be on like the bottom of my list to go to. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> Sweden, Germany, th- those would probably be a little bit higher. Ireland, I'd be a little bit higher on the, on my list. There. Yeah. But when you go to those cities, you'd probably go to the, uh, sorry, those countries, you'd go to the big cities. You'd see them. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'd swing through the big city, take a photo of the thing, right? That proves I went there. But genuinely, where is the the good neighborhood pub, uh, or where are some mountains I can go get lost in? Those would be the yeah. So I'm looking for that mountain cabin that everyone sees the Instagram photo. Well, that, that's that's like exactly what the entire Europe has been doing for two years. They have been looking for the mountain cabin. <laughs> but uh, the challenge for us is that we had all the all our customers were based in the. You know where the where the uh, airports were in the cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and it turns out that the the countryside in Europe is is quite different from from here because here everything is uniform. You know, you can go to a small town and they speak the same language that they do in Manhattan. You know, they speak English in Manhattan and they speak English in the small town. They have the same currency. Now, even the culture, you you may say that you know there's some differences between California and and Florida and Texas. But even the culture is is fairly the same if we look at it from a global perspective. But if but if you go from Norway to Spain, you're gonna see that everything is different. You know, it's mm. it's just not the same. It's a different culture, different language. The people even look different. You're gonna see that there's uh, there's different laws, different uh, uh, currency. Like even a simple thing, you yeah. can't yeah, yeah. can't just use your money, and 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 that's why we were able to, you know, shift shift focus, and and a lot of our customers in the states and and Canada as well. You know, we had a lot of customers who shifted from the cities to the cottages, and mm-hmm. that was very successful. But in Europe, you couldn't just do that because suddenly you had to speak a different language, you had to have different currency, you have yeah. to know different laws, you have to, you know, everything is different because they're, they're so small those countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me, and I'm sure you get. Uh, I, I know we don't have time, but I'd love to dig into it at some point. Like, I'd want, I'd be wanting it to know of like where the net, like where are people traveling within the U.S. based on like stays and like you know where's what's trending, and obviously you probably have a good idea of like where might be some good locations to put some. Uh, 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 some vacation uh, rentals and that sort of thing, but we'll have to save it for uh, a later episode here. You guys have uh, seen tremendous growth. I mean, I think that was something that you know uh, everyone in the travel industry essentially, you know, once we went from full lockdown to okay, let's safely travel. I think everyone realized how badly they really wanted to travel and see things and get out of their house. Uh, and and go places and it seems to have maintained some momentum there's still inertia uh, behind that so aside from that because that's really a tailwind that's kind of just 
pulled everyone that was doing anything right kind of in along the way. What are some of the other things that's really been a driver for growth at Hostaway? Yeah, uh, I think one of the things is we've, we've always believed in in our vision and in what we call global megatrends. So back when we started the company, we we for example, if we had seen a great opportunity in the oil industry, we wouldn't have started it because we don't really see a future where oil is going to be the biggest thing on the planet. However, there were a couple of trends that we saw that, that we believed in very strongly. One was working from home. So once again, this was in 2015. Another one was globalization. It's We, we thought it was going to be easier for people to move, to migrate to other other places, other continents, other countries, and at the same time, be able to speak languages. We have, you know, the phones can translate today. Even if you're speaking a different language, you can look at a menu through Google Lens, things like these. Um, right. And another trend that we believed in was uh, the commoditization of real estate, that we, we believe that uh, it's going to be harder for the average person to own real estate. Um, and and it's very unfortunate, but it's it's just a long-term trend. Um, and as a result of that, what you need in order to access this real estate, you need more flexible solutions. You can't just have right. one family taking one place and staying there for the rest of their lives because then nobody else can ever access it. And what if the demand is higher than the supply? Well, then you need to, the ability to rent it out. And that's exactly what's happening today. So, so these, yeah. these were the yeah. things we believed in and it kept us strong uh, during the pandemic, even though we lost a lot of customers. But, but other than that, one of the main drivers for our growth has, has been that we have held true, held true to our roots and we have hired software people. So a lot of people from within the industry work with us, but we, we mostly hire from other software companies. And that's something that we see that's quite different from mm. our partners in this industry. That's a challenge all throughout PropTech. I, th- I think this is a, like, a cha- like a trend that I've heard echoed many times from founders is attracting people into PropTech because it's you know an industry they're not familiar with or a product they're not familiar with. And, and, and you know quite frankly, early, sometimes early stage startups that don't have the funding to totally blitz scale can't pay upfront top salaries. So, you know, you're a good engineer. I mean, your Google offer is three to half, 300,000 to half a million a year when, you know, with your stock options, everything included versus this startup that could be dead in 12 months. That's very true. It's, 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 a, tough, it's a very tough thing to compete against. And I think coming from, an, you know, that's an interesting way to look at it. Like you have that, the technical background of building out a technical team certainly could put you at a significant advantage in identifying that talent, but also att- attracting and retaining that talent to to help accomplish those goals. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's actually one of our, our big focuses is uh, is improving our talent acquisition strategy. We already have have very competitive uh, wages, um, and that's that's a good thing. But just because you have a good job uh, environment and, and good compensation doesn't mean that people get to hear about you. So that's that's one of the things we, we need to actively reach out to people in the SaaS space to, to find them. Yeah. Um, I want to move into the bottom segment of our show here. But before we get into there, uh, one final bigger question here for you, Marcus. Uh, you know, 
you've talked about the path into the business and how you really identified that and really brought the technical expertise. We've seen the tailwinds. So it just seems like a good business really right now to be in and you're really well positioned with partnerships. So maybe we've already answered it, but why is now the time to be building Hostaway? Uh, like I said, it, it's about those lines. They, they have been wobbly for a while, the lines between hotel, travel, Another term that came back from the dead, leisure, uh, business and leisure travel. Um, I don't like the term at all. It, it sounds a bit... Leisure. Yes, you go business and leisure. It means oh that you gosh. take a business trip like you you spent uh, three days in that weird stinking room. Uh, but then you stay there a week extra and maybe your family joins you. So you get to explore the area where you are. <laughs> you know, sounds crazy, but that's what a lot of people are doing. And... Um, and these lines are just getting blurred, which means that there, there used to be a deck of cards and the, the big guys had all the best cards. But now all of a sudden they're getting reshuffled. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we see big hotel chains are entering this market like Marriott. At the same time, the big old names, some of them are struggling. Mm. And other newcomers are coming to take over. There's a generational shift, both on the technology side, but also in the hospitality side going on right now. And that means that the opportunity for growth for the winners is massive because not only do you have a new market to explore, you have an old market where some players are dying. Maybe they're dying slowly, some are dying quickly, but they are going to die. So not only can you take the the market that you see ahead, but there's going to be a massive market out there that is looking for a new home. Yeah. You know, actually, as you're talking about that, for some reason, I don't know why it popped in my head. There's a hotel somewhere in Montana, and I can't remember, but I've stayed at it twice. The first time we booked it, it was Google search hotel with the, you know, one mile, something like that, right? Because we're road tripping and we had no idea. We didn't plan where we were going to stay and we found it. Boom. Cool. The second time we planned ahead. And we're like, okay, we have an idea of like whereabouts we're going to be. And I was booking Airbnbs. I booked the same hotel once as a hotel, once as an Airbnb. The checkout and check-in checkout wasn't all that different. There was like subtle differences to it, but it was the exact same hotel, exact same rooms. To- just the, uh, the way I found my way in and uh, you know into the, their their lobby was just subtly different. But honestly, the, it was same exact experience as a consumer. You know, that, that it, there was no real difference. Um, and, I, you know, I can only, and that was like two years ago. So, you know, we've had time or three years ago. So we've had time to figure this stuff out and get a little better. And obviously with platforms that enable for those workflows to be possible and run a good business, you know, it just makes more sense that we're going to continue to see that trend. I, I think that's a beautiful example of where the consumer doesn't really know the difference between a hotel and an Airbnb. It's, uh, you know, from, from your point of view, it was the same bed, but it, but it's, you know, exactly. from other people in the industry would say that those are two entirely different things, but you just proved that they're not different things. Uh, there's, there's a couple of other examples of that, that people think are different things. And, and Blesher is, I think, the, one of the examples where everyone thinks they know what a business trip is and everyone thinks they know what a leisure trip is or, or tourism is. But when you start mixing them together, at some point, the consumers will no longer know which one it is. The other one is um, is um, I, I don't think there's a term for it. It's not really digital nomadism, but it's uh, it's more that people are 
working from home, but not from home. You know, they're working in someone else's home. Maybe they work in a different city. Oh, we, we, okay. we got many employees who, who don't have a permanent address. They, they, they live in different cities, in different countries. Sometimes they stay somewhere for a year because they like it. And, and today, you know, I know I see, I see your face. I know you're thinking, oh, but those are those people. There's a clear line here between those who live at home and those right. who live, you know, on the road. But that's another line that I guarantee you in 10 years, a lot of people won't know the difference between going for a trip and living. Yeah, well, that, that genuinely is my, that, that, that's the vision. <laughs> so I'm, I'm all for it here. Well, Marcus, uh, we're going to keep transitioning here, uh, jumping into the bottom of the show uh, for a segment I like to call For the Future. For the Future is a segment where I get to ask each guest who comes to the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Are you ready to play? Absolutely. Okay, let's do this. First one here. What does Hostway look like one year from now? One year from now? Oh, we're going to be the market leaders and we're going to be recognized for that. We are on many, in many places, we are already market leaders, but I don't think there's a consensus. I think the market is still so small that even if we were the biggest company in the space, our market share would be this small. But I think in just one year, we'll see that this changes things. Awesome. Question number two, has the short-term rental market peaked or will we continue to see growth in the coming years? It will continue to grow. It will change though. It will change a lot. Um, there's probably a lot of companies that, that have done extremely well because the consumer behavior has changed and some of it is going to change back the way it was and some of it is going to stay now those whose business only survived because of the rapid shift in demand those are not going to survive but those who are going to survive they're going to find new paths forward so a good example is those property managers that were in the cities and they moved out to the mountains the lakes the beaches they're going to come back in the cities but they might actually run two businesses one in the mountains and one in the city i love it Number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? Unfortunately, I think it's the, um, the, the whole world of travel and especially travel tech. I think it's in incredibly old school. I think there's a, a certain way of thinking and, and a lot of the companies we see today, um, some of them are our partners. To be, to be perfectly honest, they were founded over 20 years ago. And I think there's a lot of room for innovation when it comes to technology and travel. I wish that some of the thinking, especially not not being willing to change, would go away. Mm. But I don't think it will. I was hoping. I think, yeah. I, I, immediately in my head, I'm thinking key cards, but you know that's that's a whole other. <laughs> I, I thought I thought they were gone already. No, they're still very much a thing. You know, so, and I'm road tripping from South Dakota to Washington in, uh, next week, and I guarantee you we'll, we'll, we'll do one night, and uh, that hotel will probably have a key card. Wow. Uh, last one here on For the Future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? As a result of tech advances? Yes. I think there will be a massive, massive change in tenants and in our case guests and their screening and security oh. i think the, yes there is uh, 
I mean, the, the way you do security checks, let, let's say on the long-term rental, you run a credit report, you maybe criminal background check, maybe ask for references. That's If you're that's, allowed to anymore, depending on where if, you live. If you're allowed, exactly. Yes. But even if you're allowed, it's still, we're talking manual systems that are, are I mean, uh, even credit reports, they're all leaked. They can be hacked. They can be, this is, this is going to change a lot of things when the industry figures out and and it's just in its infancy there's still no standardized solutions i mean hotels when you go and check in i guarantee you they will look at yeah. your face they'll look at your driver's license they'll look at your credit cards and if those three don't line up then you don't get the room but they're going to line up and that's the way they've always done it yep but this is something where there is a huge opportunity for for change especially technology what if you could do that already before you enter the hotel yeah, 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 yeah. It always, it does kind of perplex me still that I have to go when I go to the hotel. Like I still have to check in at the get the desk. It kind of feels like the desk could be there for help, but otherwise, like, like can't we already pre-screen that? Like, how how can we like remove that? Can I just like go to my room? Like, know which one my room is. Know it's been ready and waiting for me. Like, we have the ability through an app where I could even set the temperature. So like when I get in there from having to drive on the road for seven hours and I walk into that crisp 65 degree air conditioned room, instead, I'm going to get a three star hotel that has the air conditioning turned on, but they didn't put it on the cool mode. So it's a toasty 77 degrees when I get in there, you know, and all I want to do is go to sleep, but I can't, you know, so. Exactly. And and that's the the other thing I mentioned. I wish would go away is this old school thinking. There's there's a lot of hotel chains that have all this technology available, but the way they're thinking is they want to monopolize the world. They want every hotel to have the same logo on it. That's that's their vision. Mm-hmm. And and of course then you have that. You you have the trusted programs. You have your mobile app that already verifies. You just use the mobile to get into to the hotel. I know Hilton. Last time I stayed there. Just use my mobile app to get in yeah, yeah. to the room. I don't need to check the desk. Oh. But the challenge there is that none of them are investing in technology that can make this more standardized and more easy for the traveler. Interesting. Well, it because may... it's only easy if you're staying in the same chain. They may, may not have a choice as, uh, as we see more and more companies push it up, up, as far as like what the accepted level and, and expectations are. Uh, Marcus, we're going to move into the final three here. These are so our listeners get to know you just a little bit better. First one is, what are you reading? Right now, I'm reading something incredibly exciting. It's a book from 1993 about people working at Microsoft and how many stock options they have and their daily lives. They're working in Silicon Valley. It's called Microsurfs. Um, most of the people in the book have very few stock options, which make make them worth less as human beings. I find it, as a tech entrepreneur, I find it incredibly exciting to read a book from 1993 where tech stock options are the main topic. Interesting. Number two, who are you learning from? Who I'm learning from? Um, right now, uh, honestly, I'm 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 in a fortunate position where I no longer run any teams. If I was doing that, I would have a mentor. But I'm basically trying to learn everything I can everywhere. That's what I spend about eighty percent of my time. So I don't have any specific go-to person at the moment. That's awesome. Last one here. What inspires you? What inspires me is the ability to. Uh, see the future and then work towards 
a future as a as a team and and share the vision with the team and then see it come true. I I remember I I went to I, I told you about the investor who stayed in an Airbnb and thought Airbnb is terrible, but um, many investors said, well, Airbnb has clearly said they don't want to be friends with you. So how could you ever? You know, build a business. I mean, your business needs you need to be buddies, best friends with Airbnb, and they don't want to be friends with anyone, so we don't believe in you. And I told them, look, one day, not only are we going to be friends, but they're going to beg us to give more time. They're going to want us to hang out and have a beer and watch TV. And not only that, they're going to pay us to do it. <laughs> and that's exactly what's happening right now. That's exactly. I can go back to every investor and said, look. Airbnb, look at this email. They're asking, can I have pizza and beer on a Friday night and watch a movie with them? And I'm, I have to tell them I'm too busy. You know, that's yeah, yeah. That that's what really inspires me is when you set the vision and then you just work and shape the world around you until that vision comes true. Marcus, you just inspired me to up the friendship I have with my neighbor across the street. You know, we uh, we had some uh, beers. Uh, I smoked. Uh, a whole bunch of meats on, on the, the smoker the other night. He has a key, literal key to our house. But the one thing is he doesn't pay me. So I got to figure that piece out. And then I think I've, I've arrived. <laughs> but hey, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for delving into what I, I know we could have gone any which one direction a whole solid more hour because there's so much to unpack here. Uh, I'm really impressed with how much you guys have going at HostAway. Before we close out, though, for those who want to get connected to you or want to learn more about HostAway, where do they go and how do they do that? Absolutely. If you want to partner with us and join our marketplace on HostAway, uh, you can go to the marketplace page on HostAway.com. If you want to get a demo, we have a a special offer right now for the listeners here. Um, Actually, for anyone. If you come and you want to talk to us, we'll get you on the phone within one hour. And that's a service promise that we sometimes have to break because if if thousands of you come to, to hostaway.com and want to talk to us right now, we can't do it. But our backup is if if you don't get to talk to someone on our sales team within one hour, you get to talk to me personally. Oh. And the way the way you can do that is just Google uh, LinkedIn Marcus Hostaway. You find my profile, send me a message, I'll be there. There we go. And I'll also have a link to Marcus's LinkedIn profile here on the Technos website, as well as anywhere in the show notes that you find this podcast. Uh, this was a, a lot of fun. I really appreciate you going in so much detail. I'll be uh, watching you guys and see how things go. Hopefully I'll find some of your uh, the rentals of, of customers uh, of yours, because then I'll, I'll know at least the experience will be nice and uh, efficient. But until then, uh, we'll, we'll catch you later. Thank you very much for having me, Nate. Thanks for listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You can always get future episodes delivered to you directly by subscribing to the podcast in your favorite app store. You can also join the newsletter. Head over to technest.io or finledger.com slash newsletters to get all future episodes, updates, and more sent to you right in your inbox. Last but not least, we appreciate your support. Please go ahead and give us a rating and review in your app store. This helps others discover the podcast and know that it's a great worthy listen. We'll see you next week.